Best new podcast in the world. From WWE to DNA Impact. By way of the NWA. It's time for Reffing It Up. With legendary referee Brian Hebner. An all new episode starts in... This, this is Reffing It Up. Welcome back to another episode of Reffing Up with Brian Hebner. I am the man with magical voice, RJ. He is the man in the stripes himself, Mr. Brian Hebner. Brian, what's up, man? Man, feeling a little different on this one. This is going to be uh, really something different. We're going to have Mr. Earl Hebner, who is my father, for those of you out there who have been lost in the forest somewhere. <laughs> Uh, so this is going to be really exciting, man. Just uh, also to find out some stuff that I'm, I'm I'm itching to find out. So it's going to be really, really cool. And I'm just really, really excited about it. Can't wait. I think it should be fun for everybody. Yeah, this is definitely a show that I've been looking forward to since you said, yep, we're going to have my dad on. Fantastic. Because uh, this is a uh, yourself included yourself and your dad and your uncle are three of the guys that, you know, uh, buddies of mine and myself really grew up watching and watching a lot of the referees outside of the usuals that you hear from, but um, definitely a lot of good stories I'm sure to come, but why don't we send it up to the first count and get the show started? Ladies and gentlemen, this is your first count. Last weekend, Brian, we saw a new NWA World Heavyweight Champion be crowned. Tyrus beat Trevor Murdoch and I almost called him Zack Ryder for a second. I almost <laughs> I almost messed that up. But anyway, that's staying in because why not? Um, Mark Cardona, uh, which surprised a lot of people. The internet blew up. Uh Obviously, I, outside of what we talked about last week with uh, the NWA and uh, Nick Aldis, it's interesting to see this change uh, of the champions because it, it's pretty much he wasn't the only one. You know, we have Kerry uh, Morton becoming the uh, light heavyweight champion, I believe, or junior heavyweight champion, something like that. So it's a change in the guards there in the NWA. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand what the big stink is about Tyrus going over. Uh, and man, I mean, the guy's probably the most famous guy they have on their roster. I mean, he's a huge, huge figure figure on Fox News. I mean, if it's political reasons why people are hating on him because of you know what he believes in or whatever, I mean, come on, guys, fuck off. Um, you believe what you believe in, and let him believe what he believes in. If that's not the problem, if you think that he's not not what not qualified what makes him not qualified the guy's been in the business for a long time he's had mm-hmm. one of the worst gimmicks ever given to him and he t- made something out of it i mean he made chicken shit out of chicken salad or chicken salad out of chicken shit whatever he was yeah. saying i mean brodus clay you know just, I, I have no problem with it i think he's deserving of it i think he works hard i think that that's you know and i i, I was reading on the internet and looking at different things he, he made a, a tweet on Twitter that just said, you know, for all you haters out there who call me, you know, no, because of my political beliefs, because you don't like the way I uh, co-host a show, uh, you don't like the way I wrestle, da-da-da, basically saying he doesn't give a shit. 
hate on him all he wants, but guess what? He's a world champion. He's the number one show on cable network on news. Uh, basically just saying, you know, he's doing his thing. You do yours. Don't worry about what he's doing. And that, that, you know, it's, you're always going to get hate, man. This world's a hateful place and I have no problem with it. Tyrus is a really, really nice dude too, man. Got to meet him, work with him over at uh, TNA. It was awesome. What a great guy. His wife, Ingrid does, uh, uh, the, the, the meals, I can't think of what it's called now. And I used to promote it. No, no, she did it where you would do diets and then she would send you your, your weekly meals. Okay. Uh, But anyway, I could find that out and I would like to actually put that out for her. But, uh, but yeah, he signed me up with no problem. They had me meals. I got meals sent to me every single week. It was awesome. I mean, she was out there and it's her company. She busts her ass, does a great job. He busts his ass. So, I mean, I hate on the guy. You know, mm-hmm. is he the best wrestler in the world? No, but neither was Hulk Hogan. Neither was The Rock. Neither was some of these John Cena. None of these people were the best wrestlers either. They were good. And they were entertaining. Let him do his thing. Let's see. You never know. Well, and, and I think a lot, a lot of it has to do last week before he won the title. And congratulations to him. Seriously, it's it, it, you don't be you don't win the NWA championship for no reason. Um, you must be doing something right. But I, I think a lot of people are comparing him to past champions, whether they be Nick Aldis, whether it be Trevor Murdoch, you know, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, uh, Harley Race, whatever. I, I think it's like they're trying to compare the lineage of the NWA, the prestige of the NWA 10 pounds of gold. I get that. But in different times, different eras. You know, it's like comparing John Cena to The Rock and The Rock to Hulk Hogan. It just doesn't, it doesn't transmit too much. Uh, and I think a lot of people are you're thinking too much into it or are talking too much into it, I should say. And it's just, it is what it is. Would this be the first time we've had, let's say, a giant or a big, huge man be NWA champion? I mean, if the, and if it is, makes sense. Well, of recent, of recent years or recent times, yeah. Because the only other one we had was uh, we had – yeah, Jack's Dane there for a little bit. Okay, so um, are you trying to say, not you, but are people trying to say that Jack's Dane is uh, in that same lineage as Nick Aldis and um, Harley Race, Ric Flair? I mean, come on now. I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure if people actually were to actually think about it and look at it, they probably would. And, but at the same time, too, I think it's just the factor of the era of social media, the way it is that people that have a keyboard, they can become keyboard warriors. They want to get their opinions out there. They don't care who knows it. I get it. Every I'm all for, you know, put your opinions out there, but you know, some opinions aren't supposed to be out there for the most part sometimes too. But um, I, is Tyrus is Tyrus gonna you know put on you know five star six star ten star matches in the Tokyo Dome? And maybe not, but he's gonna want he's gonna get you there whether you hate him or you like him. He's gonna get you there. He's gonna get you to pay for the pay per view. You know. Well, you, you just have to give things time. Yeah. You know, I, I remember a time when Roman Reigns was being forced on our throats way early in his career. Yeah. And I remember I couldn't stand the guy. Like I was like being force fed some crushed baby carrot food. And it was just like, ugh, you know, nasty. Yeah. And he, they kept doing it week after week after week. And look at the guy now. 
Mm-hmm. What, so what I'm saying is just give him time. Well, if he, if he sucks it up or blows it, I mean, then, then so what? He, they made a stab at it, made a try at it. All companies do it. But, and we, we have the same thing with John Cena, too. You get the John Cena effect. Everybody wants to, you know, hate him or like him. There's no in between. But it's like, oh, well, he's getting shoved down her throat. I'm like, well, look back in the 80s. So was Hulk Hogan. You know, Hulk Hogan's getting shoved down your throat. But in the 80s, you know, we didn't have social media like we do today. In The Rock's time, we didn't have social media like we do today. Can you imagine, holy shit, what the hell would have happened if, if social media was there when, when Christ was Ric Flair was champion? Holy Christ, he wouldn't be champion ever. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just people have to be patient. Just be patient and let things go. Let's 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 see how it goes. Well, let's, let's see what NWA can do with it and see how they can manipulate and how let's see what Tyrus can do as a talent. Let's see what he can do. Yeah. He might totally just kill it and yeah. be the best thing that they ever did. And who knows? You may have him be one of those guys that will get somebody else over, you know, like a Cardona. You know, it's not necessarily gonna, you know, be a bad thing. You can get a Cardona over, get one of your younger talents over. You know yeah. what I mean? Get them to kind of get in, ease them into the heavyweight title picture. You never know what's going to happen with that. Um, something that also came out this afternoon that we've talked about briefly before we hit record is according to Fightful, uh, this was found on WrestlingInc.com. Uh, as far as it goes, Stone Cold Steve Austin has uh, officially been named, or excuse me, been made an offer to wrestle another match by the post Vince McMahon regime, according to the new report from Fightful. At this time, there is no word on who else would be involved. While the source didn't confirm to Fightful which show would feature the match, the sources assume that it would be WrestleMania 39 in Los Angeles. Uh, before this most recent Fightful report, speculations are already we're running rampant amongst fans after hearing about Austin's interest in another match to add fuel to the fire. A recent uh, video surface of Austin working out and he appeared to be in wrestling shape. Um, so Brian, I took a look over at his Instagram and he is, he was actually doing a workout in, uh, in his trailer for whatever he's, you know, whether he's doing his shows or whatever dude looks jacked. Not that say he never was, but he looks jacked and the badass that he is, he's doing a workout in camouflage Crocs. Well, hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who's going to tell him not to? <laughs> right, right. I mean, you know, here's the thing. Stone Cold, I believe, is a very, very smart man. I believe that he's not going to take on something that would embarrass him or make him look littler than it's a great idea for WWE because there's nothing but cha-ching all over that. Right. right. And it's only going to bring in the fans that love Stone Cold, which are everybody. So, I mean, this, it's a no win there. Now, if he does end up doing something like this, he has got to be a in top and top shape to be what people remember him as. He's got to be in a match that makes sense. We don't need to have a 30-minute match. We need to have something that Stone Cold can just showcase his stuff, do what he needs to do, entertain the people, sell tickets, bam, bam, thank you, and be out of there. And that would be fine. 
I just hope they don't make that mistake or he thinks that he can do more than what he can do. And we have something that we watch and we go, Ugh, I don't know if he should have done this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And I don't think from him doing it last year at WrestleMania with Kevin Owens, uh, I don't think he's a smart businessman. I don't think he would put him. Like I said, obviously as a third party, obviously don't know him personally. Uh, I don't think he put himself in that position because like I said, he's a smart businessman. He's got his own beer out there. He's got his own shows out there. He's, he's popular. There's no doubt about that, but it's just like you said, it has to be done the right way against the right person who that is. We don't know. Rumors are running rapid. Like they said, I've heard everything from CM Punk. What? To exactly to uh, having him come back and doing one more match with The Rock. What? And then I've heard my opinion though. I should I want him to go uh, against Pat McAfee. What? That punter from Indianapolis. No, I know. I'm just what what. Well, I know. I'm I'm just I'm not, I'm trying to no sell it, but I'm smickering over here like a freaking. Get us a little schoolgirl, but, um, but yeah, I, I just think I, obviously you grew up with obviously with your dad going to these shows, probably seeing Austin in person, meeting him in person, working with him. I've watched him since he he started. I would love to see him get that pop, get those fans in the stands because L.A. is one of those bigger markets too, so you're gonna have a lot of fans. Um, to to get in that stadium. So who knows? Obviously we got, I think that's out in, I believe March or April uh, of uh, 23. So we still got some time, but who knows what's going to happen. Uh, well, put it this way. If it, if it ends up happening, I'll buy it. If he, if he comes back, I'll, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll buy it. Yeah. But one For thing what? everybody's buying, Brian is referee review. This is rep and review. So we got a couple things this week, Brian. Like I say every week, I'll sit back, relax, and let you do your business. Okay, so we have two items of business. Uh, We have more, but I want to move on because uh, the legendary referee, uh, Earl Hebner, is coming on soon, and I want him to have his much-deserved time. So we have a fan that asked me a question about the finish that was on AEW Dynamite last week, and it was a tag match. I will apologize. He told me who they were. I wish he'd have sent it to uh, reffing it up, to be honest with you, because that's where RJ keeps all our notes and stuff. So no big deal. Now you know. So now next time, send it over there. That way RJ can tell me the match and all that stuff. But I remember what he's talking about because I actually watched all of last week's show, which is where I have another issue that I'm going to get to as well. But the first one is that he asked was about a tag team and how the finish can be where everyone is in the ring, then everybody bumps out, then you tag the other guy, and both guys are in there, yada, 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 yada. Very convoluted type of finish where it's confusing to all involved and all watching. That is because they're trying to do too much shit. They're trying to do too much stuff. And they're trying to get it all in in this finish with 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 this spot, that spot, that spot, this spot, this spot. Hey, let's do this one too. And what it does is it convolutes the actual finish, and you end up having what happened last week: the wrong guy top the other legal guy. 
So we have a guy that got tagged in. He's now legal, but he does the big move for the finish, and the other guy jumps on him for the tag, who's the illegal guy, and they get the win. The referee never knows it, never sells it, never nothing. Just one, two, three, let's get out of there. Buddy, to answer your question, it's because it's just poorly, poorly put together. Poorly put together. And honestly, the referee should have caught that during the finish or knowing what the finish was, unless that's something that they just did on the fly and he just went with it, which would be the norm at this point with what I'm watching week after week after week. So, Brian, I actually went back and I looked at it. And I actually do have the message that he sent me, our boy Luca at uh, Belfazer Pro Wrestling. Um mentioned that uh, the, the rules both feed on on the apron over the top arm rule still go today um for the rest of the match was not all maybe and maybe is too deep but that's what his, his thought was that he, that's the gentleman that um sent that uh comment over to you okay well the a legal tag is usually supposed to start with holding a, a tag rope mm-hmm. both feet on the apron Reach over hand to hand. Well, that has changed dramatically. Right. And and, and it's it, there there is no rule anymore. It's whatever rule you wanted to make it. So there is no rule. I, I see them touch their their butts, their feet, um, you know, their backs, which is a blind tag, which is I'm I'm fine with a blind tag as long as your hands on the rope and your feet are on the apron. Mm-hmm. Um but but yeah, that's just it, it, it's it's convoluted. It's kind of like the NFL nowadays. You know what what what's a what's a penalty? What's not? What's so, a catch? What's a not? Yeah. There you go. It's the same thing. I mean, some 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 companies do it different ways. So I, there is no flat rule to tell you, buddy. I, I I can't answer that straight out. But I can tell you that the reason why you're asking about that finish is because it's it's just too much bullshit, and nobody catches it, and nobody thinks about it, and that's what it is. They just throw it together and they throw it out there, and that's that's what I'm. That's the that's what I'm seeing, man. That's just, just that's what I'm seeing. And then I'm having one more problem, and I tweeted about it. And for those of you who listen to my show and follow me on Twitter, which is at Baby Hebner, um, I got really, really pissed off watching the show because I watched all of that show, and that's the first time I've done that in quite a while. And like I said, this 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 reference review is causing me to watch a lot of wrestling, but. Not one match, not one match on that show did not go outside the ring. Every match that night went outside the ring. And I just went outside for something quick and right back in. I'm talking about went outside and battled, had another match in its entirety on the outside. If you're going to do this, just like my tweet, just get rid of the fucking ring. Put barricades around it. Put floor mats down. Let's just go at it because that's what it is. You're burying your referees on top of it, too. That's where I'll take up for them. What else can they do when you spend 30 seconds out on there and just doing spot after spot after spot after spot after spot after spot outside the ring? Guys, damn it. Understand this. When you're in the ring, the people that are paying money to see you see you better. You're not hiding from the other side of the audience. Get in the ring. Let them see what they pay to see, which is you. They pay to see you. They didn't pay to see the apron and figure trying to figure out what they're trying to look at. It's just, it just frustrated me. I don't mind going outside, but it meant nothing. Every time that happened after the first time, it just meant shit. It meant nothing. And it's not really what you need to do to get your live audience into it anyway. It's just, man, it's just so frustrating. So frustrating. Yeah. 
I can see where that definitely burns because I know I saw that. I'm like, oh, well, I'm jotting that note down as soon as I saw that come out last week. And I'm like, oh, well, put that in the show notes. Make sure that we talk about that this week on uh, Reference Review. But what we will do at this point is let's send it over to a break with our boys over at the kickout crew. We'll send it to the second count after that as well and welcome in Mr. Earl Hebner. Hey folks, it's that time of the year. You're cleaning up your yard with all the leaves and twigs, getting ready for winter, making sure all your gutters are clean. So while you're doing that, get your earbuds in your ears and check out our boys, Adam, Brad, James, Mike, and Devin over at the Kickout Crew Podcast. A great podcast with a mixture of wrestling, humor, and improv all into one. And Guys, the best part about it is they're all friends, so you know it's going to be a great, great time. Make sure you follow them on all of the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Kickout Crew. Making sure you subscribe on all your podcasting platforms, making you subscribe to their YouTube page as well, because you know, you're going to want to see all these guys right on your TV. Head over, follow them, and make sure you interact with them each and every week because when life gets you down kick out at two ladies and gentlemen this is your second count count okay welcome back to the second count and right now i want to Bring in our special guest. And to all you listeners, if you think this is funny or you find this weird, it is what it is. But I'm bringing in my daddy. Yes, I call him daddy. And if you don't like it, fuck off. <laughs> um, the legend, the Hall of Famer, the man who's done it all in this business, my daddy, Mr. Earl Hebner. Hello, daddy. Hey, buddy. Glad to have you on here. Uh, We've been waiting and saving it. We're waiting for the holidays, so we're right at it. Because we want everyone to have a good holiday, and we figure we'd do it with you on it. Okay, well, I was, I was wondering why you took so long. I thought I'd have one foot in the grave. Well, well no, we, 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 we didn't want to wait for that. <laughs> See, that would be one hell of a podcast then. Jeez, man. Um, you know, Earl, I, uh, I, I told Brian, too, this is one of the, uh, the ones I've been looking forward to since we've been starting the show to have you on. Um, and I really wanted to talk to you mostly about, cause I haven't ever heard you really talk about this in the interviews that you've done is the match between um, Tully Blanchard, Magnum T80, I quit match, the steel cage match from Starcade 85. How did you, you know, get to become involved with that match? Was it just a matter of, Hey, we're going to put Earl with that match. No, it was it was Dusty Rhodes' idea. Okay. He wanted me to do that match. I think it. If I'm thinking right, it was it was either in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh. I believe that Charlotte, was... Charlotte, oh Charlotte. It was it was the um, it was the Sarah Coliseum. It was the two. It was the event that was multi locations. Okay. I was, I was... I was, I was there, Daddy. I was there with you. I was there with you, and then they had the closed-circuit TV in Chicago where the Road Warriors and the Midnight Express did the scaffold match. Okay. All right. Hell, I can't remember what yesterday was. 
It was actually, it wasn't Chicago, uh, Brian. It was the Omni in Atlanta. Okay. Okay. The, where the second show was. Right, 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 right. The, uh, it was Greensboro. It was at the Omni, the, let's see here. I'm looking at it on the flight. It was actually at Greensboro Coliseum. It was a semi-main event. They had the rock and roll and the Russians on after that cage match. Gotcha. And then you had you had Dusty and Flair um, at the Omni. But- so, so Daddy, uh, when, when you debuted in the World Wrestling Federation at the time, obviously you were part of one of the biggest angles ever involved in wrestling when it came to you and Uncle David. It was Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Is there anything that you can just put into your own words of what this moment meant for you as your first act in the WWE? Uh, well, huh, I was nervous as hell, but <laughs> but I was happy to get the opportunity to move up to a bigger company than the Crockett's. But the Crockett's were good, though, you know. But um, it was a it was a boost for me in this business. You know what I mean? And I was happy as hell. Now, what what really happened with David when the um, the angle between you two actually went went disarray and he kind of went to his backstage duties as an agent, and all that? What what was it? An injury? What was it? Yeah, yeah. I took it was it was his entrance going to the ring. Everybody thought I was David, and David was. Uh, walking around all day because I was hid. And then when I came out, David went in Vince's office and stayed till the, till he, it was time for him to come out. Gotcha. Gotcha. So when, when, when David stopped refereeing and that angle went away, was that because of him being injured? No. Uh, well, they, they wanted us both to referee for a while, but then they didn't want to have both of us refereeing all the time. Got you, got you. I understand. So they made him an agent, right? Yeah, and that's really where he. You know, a lot of people will know him from. You know, later in the days of the Attitude Era and whatnot, seeing him coming out uh, of the back. But uh, previous to that, what if you do remember what ended up happening between anything happening between you and the Crockett's when you made that move to the WWF in uh, February of '88? No, no, I left on good terms. It just was a. Uh... You know they they needed a, a look-alike or a twin deal and 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 that fit me perfect and so uh, they didn't want me to leave but I knew I had to go because I was going to make three times or four times as much as they were paying me. Mm-hmm. Who's um whose idea originally was it for the the uh, the twin storyline? Was it kind of everybody's involved or was it just Vince or? Well, they, they were they were thinking about uh, they were trying to get the idea whether they could get a lookalike or, or imposter. And then uh, David told him, well, you, you know, I got a twin brother and I guess it didn't re- register in their mind at the time, but we were twins. But then that's basically had all happen. Okay. When you, when you left the Crockett promotion, were there any hard feelings at all that they didn't want you to leave or were there any contractual type things that were, I don't think there was contracts back then, were there? No, no. Uh, uh-uh. uh, so when you went into WWE, did you sign or WWF at the time? I'm sorry, it's so hard for me to do that. Did you did you sign a contract at that point and know exactly what you were starting to do when you got there? Did you know this yeah. was the first thing you did? Yeah, I signed the contract. Got you. 
and knew exactly what you were doing the first time you walked in that door. You knew this angle was happening. Right. Wow. Unbelievable. Well, you, you know, we went up to the office, uh, Connecticut, and we, and we, we, we practiced for about a week on that thing, what we're doing and how we wanted to do it. Well, I always tell people when they ask me to, you know, I, I remember like it was yesterday. I remember you giving me a call and asking me to watch the WWE. Gosh, darn it. If I do it one more time, I swear, but it, it's easy to do, but WWF. It's and you wanted me to watch the, the Saturday night main event. And I was all, and you wouldn't tell me why. And I remember, Always wondering, like, why would he tell me to watch Uncle David when he knows that I'm a huge Crockett fan, you know, the NWA? <clears throat> and obviously, I found out why. But but <laughs> it was just uh, – I just remember that day like it was yesterday. It was just absolutely awesome. And I get asked about it all the time on our podcast. You know, just people just wondering, how did it feel as, a, as, as the son of Earl Hebner when your dad just did that? And, you know, and I knew, you know, it was happening in a way but didn't know for sure because of the fact – you know, David always has been heavier than you. And I noticed that he looked thinner, but I was just thinking, well, you know, he may have lost some weight. There's going to happen, you know, a little bit of weight. And, <clears throat> and then I picked it up middle of the ways and I was just like, that is my dad. It was crazy, man. Huh. Yes, it was. So back in 2001, WWE, or excuse me, I did, now I did it, Brian. WWF Raw Magazine came out with an article and they ran uh, in, in the article, it said that your brother, David, uh, suffered some broken ribs uh, as a result of you kicking him. Now, <laughs> if I have two younger brothers, so I know that brothers fight. Uh, how much was that? Uh, did you kind of say, OK, this is for, you know, when we were little or this is, for you know, when we were little or whatever? Or was that just kind of, you know, stuff happens? <laughs> that just happened. Now, I was I was uh, I was really excited and uh fired up, you know, and I'd never meant to kick him that hard, but hell, I, I kicked him so hard, I knocked myself down. <laughs> that was so good. That no, was so that, good. That's, I like, and like Brian said, that was probably one of the best, you know, angles of that era because it, it just prolonged so far, so far, so long into WrestleManias, into pay-per-views, into Saturday nights. And it's, it, it's something that we could always look back on and, you know, and smile at, so. Yeah, but you know what? In these days now, the way the business is, that was the most kayfabe match that nobody even knew about, period. Mm -hmm. Plus, a lot of people don't know what kayfabe is now. So, <laughs> <laughs> not, not too many. There's there's still a few out there, but uh, with, you know, we're talking about this twin magic. Do you think a lot of the referees should be involved in, 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 in storylines with the current product? Do you think they should just basically you know, you know, stay to doing the one job. Well, it, it depends on what angles they want or storylines they want. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I think they should give them something. But nowadays they don't want to do anything. But as far as uh, storylines, if they need a referee, they, they shouldn't, you know, like the deal I did, if they ever come up with another idea or something like that, you know, they're going to have to use another ref. Mm -hmm. But it's, it, it really depends on what kind of angle they're looking at or what they want to do with it, you know? Sure. Did you know uh, that, that you were the first referee that had a playable character in a wrestling video game? Did you know that? Yeah. You did know that? Of course yeah. you knew that, you son of a bitch. 
<laughs> well, I got my royalty check. That's what it told me. <laughs> I, I thought that was really, really cool. Um, yeah, so you were the first referee to have their 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 a playable character. So you could be Mr. Earl Hebner and you could fly around the ring and uh, you could use other people's bodies to get up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I still I used to. I can't do it in hell. I can't get my own up now. So, <laughs> and all the, you could call you could call, cosplay uh, Earl Hebner with Hulk Hogan. You get those twenty four inch pythons. Man, I tell you what, man. When he threw me out, of course everybody knows they overshot me. Hit the concrete floor and spun in my rotor cup, and mm. I was out uh, probably eight weeks at uh, uh, South. What is it, South? Hell, hell, south. Hmm. My shoulder back, but I went down to Birmingham, and uh, Doctor Andrews operated on me, and then I came, flew home, and and worked and went to uh, hell, south till I got better, till I got back together. Yeah. So, 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 Daddy, you've done so many special matches, matches that people grew up watching, and they're they're just a memory bank full of them. If you could just name. And I know this is very difficult because I get asked this too, and it's harder for me too as well. Not to your level, but could you name like one match that you just really will remember for the rest of your life and always know that that's the one you did? That's that special one? Yep. What was it? It was a DX match where I knocked down uh, Hunter, uh, uh, X-Pot, Road Dog, and Billy. Oh, so the match that you got put over. Yeah, yeah. All right, <laughs> yes, sir. I mean, hey, 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 I got to get my shit in. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I, th- I think that's a new shirt. Crepe, you know? <laughs> I got to get my shit in, too. <laughs> that, 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 hey, that's a good idea. You you ought to do that, Daddy. I got to get Trade- my shit in, too. <laughs> trademark it, trademark it. I, I know a guy. I can trademark it for you, Earl. Uh, but I, I'm glad you brought up Triple H because... Uh, you know, I, I, since I've been doing the show with Brian, you know, we see a lot of the matches that he's done with Undertaker, with Eddie, with Kurt. You go back and watch a lot of these matches from, you know, Attitude Era to the 2000s. You've done a lot of matches with uh, with Triple H with Hunter. Are you are you surprised at where he is right now with the company, basically being one of the guy people that are running it? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I know because uh, you know, along along the road after China was out of the picture, you know, Stephanie would come to the house shows. We hotter in the audience and all this shit. And uh, I I knew it was uh, sooner or later it was gonna uh, come to what it was. Oh, mm-hmm. well, I figured it was. I didn't know for sure, but I knew sooner or later, you know, they were hot to trot, and it was gonna happen. Was that shown in front of the boys? I mean, did the boys all know this, that, that she was being hidden and waiting for him later? Uh, yeah, it, I think uh, I think uh, the uh, Diesel Razor and all of them knew it. I don't know about anybody else for sure. The but, click. Click. Yeah, the click. Yeah, the click knew it. Got you, got you, got you. So there was a, there was a point we want you to – There's the all right, so – there was a storyline you were in, which me and RJ thought was very fascinating. I remember it like yesterday because I, I, you know, obviously I followed all the stuff you did, and 
I, I don't know if you remember, and we have a little video that we're going to play for you so you to watch. And then we'll ask you a question afterwards. But to lead up to it so you know what you're watching, you were involved with an angle with Triple H where you were fired by him. And he said he wouldn't touch you until you were not an employee. So he fired you. He pedigreed you and, and basically beat the living shit out of you. Well, Linda hired you back 13 days later. And you were replacing the corrupt uh, referee, which was Shane McMahon, to do the Triple H and Rock match. And it didn't work out quite the way that Triple H and Mr. Vince McMahon wanted to work out. So I want you to hear this and look at this video here. Look at Vince. Who's up there? Got it for you, Mr. McMahon. All right. Tigerson, Briscoe, put you on the other side of the door. Nobody comes in. Nobody, Mr. McMahon. So, you sniffing little Who the hell do you think you are? Been for you in Austin, Triple H would still be champion. Oh, but no, no, my wife reinstates you, you dribbling little piece of trash. I just want my job. You what? I just want shut up. You want your job. You want your job. You stay out of my business. You got it? I'm telling you, you better stay out of my business. Bad things happen to people who get in my business. You remember that. All right, we'll pause that right there. So the, the, the question is, is there a more intimidating figure in the business than Mr. Vincent Mann? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> he could raise the dead. <laughs> now, 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 people say to me, and I'm also, this is a question for me. Seriously, uh, and I'm sure everybody would like to know this. Now, you knew, obviously, that you were going to go in there and do this backstage segment with Vince McMahon. Was it as scary as it was for real or, or, or as it wasn't real? Like, because I, I, I watched this back several times, and I'm just like, my dad looks like he's going to shit in his pants. Like, and, and, and you knew this was going to happen. Like, in other words, you knew all day that at some point y'all were going to take this little vignette here what, what were you what were you thinking seriously like what was your thought process and it's just hurry up get it over with let me get the fuck out of here yep i mean it, it, even if it was even if it was planned it was real to me i was scared as shit <laughs> <laughs> so with with that being said that pretty much kind of simmered that thing down and i'm sure you weren't too um 
unhappy about that being simmered down with Vince involved, were you? No, I was glad to get out of the office. I was <laughs> glad it ended. So, that, that, anybody that was that... as I've ever been to come having a heart attack. <laughs> when, yeah. I, when, I, when, I, when I watch it, I almost shit my pants and have a heart attack, too, for you. Hey, he's scary, regardless. <laughs> Yeah, that's that that that's a scary man. Uh, you, you remember when they had to change my name from Weber to Hefner? Remember that story, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Gee. Well, what's your name? Yeah. Well, what's your oh. well, what's your name? Uh, Brian Hefner. Good. Sounds good. Walk the hell off. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, so that so that actually happened, then, Brian? No. Yeah. 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 Oh. Dude, I was at uh, I was at a, a, a taping, and Michael Cole kept slipping up, and of course the boys were working me too. And, you know, they're, they're calling me Brian Weber, but he keeps slipping up and saying Hebner on TV on Sunday Night Heat. And they told me that they wanted me to go ask Vince what he wants me to do about the name. And I'm like, really? So, yeah, so I'm, I'm up the ramp and I'm leaning down, looking at Vince, who's standing up on the side ramp, and I'm stuttering like a son of a bitch. I'm like, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. hey, Vince, 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 Vince. Um, hey, um, I just have a quick question for you. Um, they're calling me. Well, 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 my name, well, they're calling me Brian Weber, but they keep slipping up and calling me by my real name. And they want to figure out what name you want to be called. And he looks right at me, pauses for a minute, he goes, well, what's your name? And I said, Brian Hebner. And he went, sounds good. And walks the fuck off. <laughs> that's about right. Crazy. Uh, so anybody that's really watched any part of uh, your career, Earl, is – you see those classic, you know, Brian's been tagged with his classic bumps from the undertaker, taking the clothesline from hell from JBL. He does the whole flip for somebody like myself that has seen a lot of your work. You've always, I, I call it the fish out of water where you get backed up into the turnbuckle and you kind of just flop on the ground. When you when you've done the ref bump, is that something that you kind of want? You just you just did it, or was it something that you know you tried to make your own? I just did it. Yeah. Uh, anytime I ever tried to take a bump, and I would like I tell all these referees, don't stiffen up, just stay relaxed, and then you'll get a better bump out of it. And that's how I've always been. I've been like when they hits me, I'm like a, a sponge. I just you know, and it's always worked for me. Mm-hmm. I'll have to admit, you know, I've gone back and looked at a lot of stuff. And if you have, if you're a referee, you need to go back and look. And you have taken some sick fucking bumps, man. Um, I remember the one with the briefcase uh, where it was it was shoved to you, and you went, you were trying to go between the the, the top and the middle rope, and completely missed both those ropes, and just took a flat back on your on your ass and your back, it was absolutely, I could not believe you did not get hurt. It was crazy. Um, with that being said, can you maybe, maybe tell about somebody or people that are listening that one of the worst bumps you maybe took other than the Hogan over the top deal? I, I took one from David boy uh, at a, at a it was, I think it was called in your house. He threw me out the ring so hard. Mm. That man, I, I thought I was dead, and I wasn't prepared for that one because it was never it was never said that he was going to do that, you know. 
how was he how was he throwing you out over the top through the middle i was running toward him and uh and he just kept me going then he grabbed me and just shot me through where'd you go where'd you, where'd you go through the, the second or the top second rope did you uh, did you I, I had the colors of the rope on my pants and i had to throw them away so i <laughs> think it was blue at the time because it was so much shit on them that it, 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 it i was so hard and, and stiff that it was unreal you know, a, a lot of the time, I want to talk briefly about your time in uh, in TNA, Earl, is uh, when you went over to their company, you did a lot of the knockout matches. Was that, you know, part of your call? Was it part of the office's call saying, hey, let's, you know, have let's have Earl kind of work with these girls and see if anything were to happen, you know, Earl's there, he can take care of them. Well, actually, the girls wanted me all the time. I didn't really want to do them all all the time, but then again, hell, it was I was safer with them than I was with some of the guys, and I thought I'd last longer, so it worked out good for me. Yeah. Well, and usually look, the matches won't, but about ten minutes at that. Yeah. So, so, so let 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 let's back up here for just a second. So, <laughs> Earl decided, and I'm calling him Earl now because that's how it goes on the board when I write it down and say who's doing what. <laughs> Or whether, or actually, when he gives me the paper and says, here, you put my fucking name on this. But anyway, <laughs> there was a time where, and I don't blame him. Actually, it was smart. But I just messed with him because it's just funny. Where we would do a lineup. And, of course, they would have these 30-minute matches, these 20-minute matches, these whatever it was. And this was no when DQs. it was. Yeah, no No DQs, whatever. Well, Earl conveniently had matches with a no DQ where there wasn't much thought process to it. And then, of course, he would always take the girls because they were very short matches and he would usually get his shit in like he always does. So, come on, Daddy. You did them girls because you wanted to get over, bro. <laughs> I did. <laughs> no, I, got more kisses. I got more kisses from them than I did my wife. <laughs> well... Uh, you, you did get quite a few of them. I watched them every single night over and over and over again. My, my thing was I couldn't believe that all of them were willing to do it. They love me, man. They love me. <laughs> so what, what we're going to do now, uh, we're going to, we're going to bounce out of this segment. We're going to go to our last segment. We've got some fan questions for you and uh, just see what, uh, what you may want to comment to those guys and uh, get, try and get what we can in for you. We don't want to hold you up all night. We know you're a busy man. So uh, with that being said, let's uh, head to our third count. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your third count. Count, count. So our first question comes from RJ from Rochester. He wants to know if the WWE were ever come knocking at the door, you get that call about the Hall of Fame. Would you ever consider it? Yeah, I'd consider it. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I have a question to boot on top of that. Do you feel like you should be in the Hall of Fame? Uh, yeah, yeah, I really do. All the, all the stuff that I've done in this business and and made a lot of the matches what they are. I think I deserve to be in there, but whether I do or not, it's up to them. Can I can I give you my thought? Yeah, go ahead. You always have. <laughs> uh, well, without 
being nasty. I, I, I'm just going to say this. I think that with what you did for the Montreal screw job showed more balls than any other referee could have done. I think that that is hats off and think that you should be commended for that because you not only stood up for your company, you stood up for the people that you work for in that match. Not only that, you've done everything that you could have done to make the matches the best they could be, and you worked your ass off for them, and you did that. Now, whether they think whatever, at the end of the day, when everything was done and said, when you were done at the WWE, whether it was wrong, right, it doesn't matter. I'm not getting into that. It doesn't matter. That's not what you're graded on to go to a Hall of Fame. You're graded on your performance and the things you did for the business and the company you work for. And there was nobody better and did what you did. I think it's a crock of fucking shit. And I think that that you should be in the hall of fame sooner than later. And I think if you're not, I just think it's a, just a bunch of bullshit and they can keep putting movie stars in there to draw people and ratings and all that bullshit. But while they, they, they need to just put people in there, in my opinion, that deserve to be there. And I think you are one of those. That's my opinion on it. And I, if it don't happen, I'm going to be one pissed son of a bitch. Well, I think you're right. I mean, if you look at it, they got a lot of celebrities in there that never have taken a bump in their life. I mean, you don't see Rasmus going in the NFL Hall of Fame. You don't see uh, Rasmus going in the Baseball Hall of Fame. So, you know, it's it, it's a separate business, and it should be nothing but wrestling people in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and I totally, I totally get it, and I, and I agree with you one one hundred percent. And that's why my feelings are so strong. Um, it's not because you're my dad. It, it really isn't. It's, it, it really has nothing to do with it. To be quite honest with you, and I, I don't know if you'll agree or not, and I'm sure you will, but I think somebody like Mike Kyoto should be in there as well. I think that they should honor these guys that have done and, and gave their lives and take, been taken away from their families and that kind of thing and, and, and respect them and show what, what you guys have done. And I just think that that's the, that, that's the, the madness that I get when I, when I get asked that question. I just, cause I can't, I just can't fucking stand it. And it, it just makes me so mad. Well, you know what? In all honesty, I, uh, I've been thinking about that a long time, but I think I could name five referees that I know that belong in there. And I'll start with myself, Nick Patrick, Tommy Young, Kyoto and uh, Charles Robb and Jimmy Kaderis or Kador. That's what the hell his name is. <laughs> um, He's Canadian, so it don't matter. <laughs> you, you know, I'll get to our next question, but I just want to make a comment here too. The day you go in, Earl, your brother should go with you. I'm well, I think so too. Uh, and my brother. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. 100%. You get one, you want both of them because his – his impact on the business is substantially substantial as well behind the scenes in front of the camera, what have you. Um, honestly, if it wasn't for him, you know, that WrestleMania three match wouldn't have happened between Savage and steamboat as much as well as it did. But, right. And he did a hell of a job. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Travis Robertson. He asks, how did you maintain the same three count for so many years? Like, as far as like repetition and whatnot. Well, unless you're told, or I was told, if it's if it's a screw job, then they'll say, take it easy, do your regular count, then when it's time for the screw job, do your fast count. But I've always done my regular count uh, unless I was told to do a fast count. And it, and that's what I try to tell these refs now. Don't wait, don't do 
do your normal count at the beginning of the match as at the end. But most of them, you know, when the finish comes up, you can almost tell it the way they count. One, two, three, you know. And even Brian, you know, I told Brian the same thing when he when he started. And truthfully, I guess he and I is the only two that can give a count without people knowing it's a finish. Our next question comes from Gavin. He asks, uh, who are some refs today that young, inspiring referees should study? Um, I, you mentioned Charles. You mentioned Kyoto. You mentioned um, – Corderas, anybody else that you think uh, inspiring referees should be watching? Well, I like Chris Shaw. He's with WWE, you know, and uh, he's come a long ways and he's done a great job. And he's got that uh, natural uh, instinct to be to become a, a, a great referee. You know, now some of the uh, I don't know. I hate it when referees. uh sell the bumps, everything when they grab their head or, go, or they like they're taking a bump. I, I can't stand that because it, like I told them, you're that account. You're not there to sell, you know, and some of them are selling more than the guys once they take a bump and it's a joke. I'm not even trying to figure out who he's talking about because I actually really, really know you missed that episode. <laughs> uh, I, I buried him and I didn't mean to bury him, but it just happened. Um, I, I know exactly who you're talking about. And we don't even have to go into it again. You're right. It's over the top, and it just is absolutely horrid and horrible. It's the shits. It, it, it is, and and it, it's the it's it's the major shits. So um, now this is a question that I want my listeners to listen to because I think it's very interesting, and I love the story, and I know the story because you've gone over with me. But I want you to explain to our listeners what the what did the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, mean to you, and what did he do for you? For your career well dusty means everything for me because if it weren't for him i wouldn't even be in the business and then when he hired me he gave me the uh lead way uh tommy young was one of the greatest referees that I'll ever be in my in in the history of this business and tommy's the one that taught me to be a good ref and dusty gave me the opportunity to be a good ref and I guess the way he kept me and 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 uh, gave me the go ahead sign on matches and and shit like that, uh, he was great and and I, I owe him everything. And God knows I wish he was still here, but I hope he can hear me. I, I'm, I'm sure he can. I'm sure he can. And I, I I love that story, and I, that's why I wanted to bring you know all our listeners into that because I want them to understand that story because I know how dear to his heart you are i also want to ask you um and i want you to explain this to people too what did going into the tna hall of fame mean to you and especially that night because i remember that night you know me and you kind of both lost our shit because it was just a big moment what 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 did it mean to you it meant it meant everything in the world to me in this business and i never thought i would ever get there in any hall of fame but i did and I was so happy that they recognized how valuable that I was. And they still have referees that are valuable. But they they sort of broke the ice in knowing that uh, this business has to, for this business to succeed, they have to have a good ref. And, you know, it's good that they noticed that and gave me the opportunity to be in the Hall of Fame. And I will never forget 
that night or what they did for me. All right. So our next question comes from uh, WWE Master 2018. He says, what of these three legendary stipulations did you want uh, did you want to referee while you worked in the WWE in the 90s and 2000s? So what of these did you want to work? Uh, buried Alive, Last Ride Match, or The Inferno? Buried Alive. Yeah. <laughs> lot, lot, lot less to worry about? <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, I got you. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, I guess Buried Alive, because it was... Uh... It was a lot of uh, moving parts in that match. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And and it had to be right. It, it was no room for error. So, you know, because I think you did quite a few of them, though. Because I think probably was it Undertaker, Mankind was one. Right. Um, I think we had obviously Undertaker did a lot, majority of them, obviously. Right. Yeah, but but you, you know, the more you do, the better you're gonna get. Yeah. So at first it was kind of a little bit of pressure, but as you kept going, it, then you learn everything else, you know, of where to go, where to be, what to do. So if there was a number one rule that you had to give a referee, just a one rule to send them on their own, getting into business, just, just a number one rule, what would that rule be? To pay attention to what you're doing and don't worry about your girlfriend sitting on the front row try to impress her. Do your shit and get it right. <laughs> I, I, th I think that's the title for this episode, Brian. Do your shit and do it right. <laughs> well, you know, I, I really thought, you know what I thought he'd say? I really thought he'd say what he said to me. I came back and I did a Sunday night heat match and I was really close to working my way to the main roster. I was trying to like really put him over, like, like really get him to get on my side to get me on that damn roster to where I could work the main shows. And I said, Hey daddy, what did you think of that? He goes, what's wrong with your fucking leg? And I said, what do you mean? What's wrong with my fucking leg? You got something wrong with it? And I said, no. Well, why's your hand all on the rope? Hold yourself up. You need, you need something to get you up. Next time I give you a cane, you get in the ring and do a referee match with a cane. I'm like, what the hell? So I'm figuring he was going to say, stay off the ropes is what I thought he was going to say. But that's okay. Hey, how about this one, Brian? How about tonight I asked you, I said, Brian, how can you see his shoulders when you got your head up his ass? I said, from now on, don't never let me see you looking up somebody's ass to do a three count. Be at the head, head to head. Well, well, Daddy, you're never satisfied. You're always knocking me. You're always knocking me. I said, no, I'm not knocking you. I just want you to be good. Well, that must have been a women's match. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I got one last question here. I can send it over to Brian. Uh, in uh, September of 18, uh, you were brought in to do the uh, Nick Aldis, Cody Rhodes, NWA heavyweight title match. Uh, at all in looking back on it now you know, you brought up how much dusty meant to you you how many butterflies are going through you when you're thinking oh man i'm i'm reffing his son's match and he's going to win the title that his dad did i was nervous as usual yeah. when yeah. you you know with Whenever you get the opportunity to do something like that, 
it's real uh it's a prestige for one thing but it's a pressure on the other hand but when you got two great workers like Cody and Nick it's a piece of cake you know but it's it, it still is it's a lot of stress there it's almost like a WrestleMania match to me you know what I mean mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with you and, and then do, do you think because you know him well we both do do you think Nick Aldis is in the same conversation as far as what he's done with that NWA uh, with the names like Flair, Race, Rhodes, Briscoes, Funks? Do you do you think he's there for that? In a new generation, he is, but not the old generation. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just it's, I mean, the whole business is a different business now from when I came in with the Crockett's and where it's been now. It's, uh, you know. It, it, to me, it's more of a with all the shit that they do. It's more like a soap opera, and it's kind of taken away from the business. But they're still doing business. You know what I mean? Right, right. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a great answer. I mean, I, and I understand what you're saying. I don't know if everybody else will understand it, but I do. Uh, exactly what you're saying. Do you um, do you think that now today? referees are where they should be do you think they're they're trained properly or do you think or just what do you think of the crop of referees that you see now on tv i don't know what you watch on tv as far as wrestling goes i don't know if you watch wwe anymore i don't know if you watch AEW. i don't know if you watch impact i don't, I don't know what you watch but whatever you do watch or whatever you have seen what are your thoughts on today's crop of referees i don't well a lot a lot, a, a lot of them need training because they look like in the matches, they're scared. They're scared they're going to do this or do that wrong. And they're too far away from the talent to relate a message if you needed one or somebody's hurt or, or stuff like that. In time they get there, I mean, some of them look like they stand in the corner waiting for the finish. And it's just kind of, they, they they're not into the, they don't look like they're really into the match. You know what I mean? That they, they know what the time limit is, and this, that, and the other, and they're getting the cues, and this, that, and the other, and they just—they show no uh, uh, interest. Some of them, that you know, it's just like I'm here to count three, and that's what I'm going to do, and that's that's the end of it. You know, I mean, they—they they never get in there like you do, or I do, or I did, and and relate to them or whatever. Only time they get close is when they give a time cue, uh, go home, or uh, a false finish or a pin. That's as close as you ever see a lot of them now. They're always in the other corner, away from the action. So this, this, this is another question. This is from uh, Bruce Allen. Wants to know if you could tell a good, funny wrestling story that most people wouldn't know about. That would know? Would not know. Oh. Well, years ago, uh, in WWF, uh, Slaughter would let me hip toss him and arm drag him and throw him over the rope. <laughs> he'd come charging, I'd duck, pull the rope, he'd go shooting out. Uh, we'd do a spot, and, I, and he'd come ch- charging at me. i arm drag him. He'd get up. And look like what the hell's going on? He come charging and I hip toss him. Then he would patter out the ring. 
do you know uh do you have a little story that's outside of, of the ring? Oh yeah. Anything well, you want to put out there? Yeah. Jay Lethal, love him to death. Oh, he, took a hell, he took a hell of a bump one night, and I swear to God, I thought he was hurt. And uh, I get down on, I jump out of the ring. I go, JJ, you all right? He looks up. He goes, fuck you, Earl. I said, okay. <laughs> so the next night, basically the same match, he takes a bump out. I jump down, and I'm looking at him. I said, get the fuck up. He ain't hurt. I start kicking him. <laughs> That's awesome. That, that, that's I love, awesome. I love Jay Lee, so I've had more fun with him. And he's got the best family in the world, believe me. And uh I'm so happy that uh the push that he got and where he's at because he is one hell of a talented guy. He could he could when he was in the ring and he'd mark Flair, you think Flair was in there. And that's how good he is. He's talent he's one talented guy, believe me, and I love him to death. Speaking of speaking of Jay Lethal, were you ever were you ever contacted or talked to you about for that Flair's last match? I, uh, Tommy Young called me up and asked me would I be interested in doing it because he didn't want to do it, and I said no, I don't want to do it. That's about it, because I didn't want two of both of us dying in the ring. So. <laughs> <laughs> When you're seeing guys like, you know, Flair, uh, Sting, um, just to name a few that are still Jeff Jarrett, another one, still doing it. Uh, how, how, what comes to your mind first thing when you see him doing this? This one last match, Ricky Steamboat's doing one Starcade weekend. Uh, uh, any memories of these guys when you're working with them? Well. Yeah. Uh, Sting and I were real good buddies. And believe it or not, he had his private dressing room. And uh, he always let me dress in his room because we played gin all the time. We played cards. But he wanted me to always do his matches. And uh, as far as Jeff Jarrett, I love Jeff to death. I'm so happy that he's with AEW. And he's going to make a big impact on everything there that he does for that company. Believe me. In time to come, uh, he'll be. It'll be well, well worth having somebody there that knows what he knows, because after all, he ran TNA. He knows everything about the business. He knows everything in the ring, out the ring, and uh, it's a great, it's a great honor for AEW to have him, and it's a great honor for him to have that position. And I'm so proud for him and happy for him. And when it comes to Ric Flair, Ric Flair is the one, the guy that put me over so many times it's unreal he gave me more spots than you can ever believe sometimes hell i thought it was mine and him's match and the other guy was refereeing <laughs> so so this is the last question and then you can add anything you want to add it's your show it's about you but the last question is this when people think about earl hebner and what he's done what do you want your fans? What do you want your peers? What do you want everyone to remember about Earl Hebner and what he's done for this wrestling business? Well, if you, what well, I want them to remember that even though I was presented as a bad guy, I'm not, I wasn't, I was only doing my job. And 
remember the things that I did that don't get done anymore. And if you stop and name name a NFL uh, guy, a referee, name a, a baseball referee, and they have to stop and think, name a wrestling referee, majority of the people say Earl Hebner. I will say that. Very true. Very true. Well, I think that we, mean we, meaning you, Uncle David, myself, we've done a good job of taking care of our family name and, and, and doing a great job in the wrestling business. And, you know, having respect from our peers and our fans and that kind of thing. And I, I couldn't be any prouder of you than, than you wouldn't believe it. But I mean, just, just, I'm just so proud of you and all of your accomplishments. And I know about all of them and you probably don't think I do, but I can tell you, I do, I do my homework and I just always appreciated you giving me all the advice you could give me. Um, I never once thought I was bigger or better than, than Mr. Earl Hebner, because that's just never simply the, the, the case, no matter what people may think or say, I, I never did. Um, I always believed that I carried my legacy on that you, you laid in front of me and always will appreciate that you, you're my dad and you, 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 you know, we, we, we all did it together for the Hebners. Yes, I'm retired. I have no plans on going back. I really don't. Um, if I do, I do. But if I don't, I don't. And right now, I'm not. And we don't have a plan on it. So the way we've left it, unless I go back and fuck it all up, uh, <laughs> we, 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 we did good. Well, you know what? And I'll honestly, all the referees in, in this business, uh, I'm sure that's, that the three just great ones will be me, you, and Dave for this, for this, for all the angles and stuff that we did that they don't even do anymore, uh, will always be remembered. A lot of them won't, um, they will, some of them, but they won't, rem they won't be a Hebner. That's, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. I agree. Awesome. So Earl, you got, you're going to be at uh Starcade coming up uh, next week, correct? You want to just let everybody know? Yeah. And then let them know this too, that I've got a limited edition of my uh, action figures. So anybody wants one better come early because I only have a limited edition for them unless they get it, can get them somewhere else. And I got my buddies and I got my picture. So, but uh, I'm sure my action figures are going to go fast. So anybody wants one better get there early. And that's with the asylum. I'll be with the asylum company and they got plenty of uh, merchandise too. That uh, is on sale. So first come first sir. For serve. Are these the uh, Matt Cordona ones? They're the uh, zombie ones. Okay. Are you you sold out of the Cordona ones? Correct. No, they're all gone. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So cool. Is there is there anything else that you want to plug? I mean, anything else? Are you you going anywhere soon? Any appearances? Any, put out anything you want. No, uh, the only thing I got coming up right now is the asylum. I got a few bookings in, in next year, but uh, that's a way away. But just to, I'll be with the Asylum at, at Rasselcade from the 25th to the 27th. So, like I said, uh, and the Asylum is coming out with a new uh, action figure of me, too. So once they come out, and I like those better than, well, all of them are good, really. You know, so. But anyway, those action figures are limited. So if anybody wants one, better come get them early because I know they'll be gone. 
I did a thing for hot spots and I put took three down there and uh no no I'm sorry I took two, I was in New York I took three of them the guy asked me to bring a bunch of them but I was saving them for Rasticade and uh with the first three phone calls they were gone so and they're limited like I don't even I called a guy at uh zombie and they said they only had a few and he he, he, I was lucky enough to get get uh, a few of them myself, but uh, other than that, uh, you know, that's about it. Cool deal, cool deal. Well, I, Daddy, I really want to thank you for joining the show, and I, it was very fun. And you have to go back and listen to it once we get it all edited up and get all of our stuff in there and all that stuff. But uh, I really do want to thank you, and uh, I love you very much, and thank you so much, and very proud of you. All right, uh, don't forget my address. Just send that check as soon as this thing airs, okay? Yeah, I, I, I got to get the sponsor from the guys who make your dolls, and then we'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Love you, buddy. I right, love you, too, and thank you, guys. Another uh, another great show, Brian. I'm very uh, very happy that your dad could, uh, could join the show this week. Yeah, man, me too. Uh, he was – in good spirits, man. He was really good to go. Um, sounds like he's beginning to be at that winding down. When, you know, mm-hmm. when we asked about his stuff coming up. So it sounds like he's winding down. Um, it's crazy that my dad's doing more than I am and <laughs> whatever. <laughs> well, hey, yeah. Have, have fun. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I would say that's a bit of a haul coming from, because uh, he's there in Virginia, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of a little bit of haul down to North Carolina for him, but. What were the dates he gave for? Uh, what was it? What's what's the dates he gave for? Twenty sixth and twenty seventh. That's the Starcade week, or uh, excuse me, not Starcade, Russellcade weekend. Okay, good. So right after Thanksgiving, he's going on the road. Good for him. I don't want any parts of that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye bye. Uh, uh-huh. But one thing I am definitely happy about is our Batman JD Hoop. He's making moves all over the place. If you know, you know. If you don't, make sure you follow him because he's doing work all over the place, not just with us anymore. He's all over. Um, great to see it, though. He's definitely definitely one of the guys that definitely deserve it. Oh, my God. Hell, yeah. I I, I, I could care less he's doing work for other people. I think it's great. I think it's <laughs> wonderful. And I cannot even stop and start to complain about any of that stuff. All I say is I'm blessed to have him on our team. Mm-hmm. You're the man. You are. And I'm 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 so so happy for you. Mm-hmm. And then our man AJBK, he's going into uh if anybody's looking into doing any uh broadcasting, I think he's getting into play by play again. Uh yeah, as well. Out, yeah, yeah, yeah. On uh OVW, he's doing some stuff there. Dude, the guy is awesome. Please, if you need an announcer. You need some play-by-play, whatever it may be, and you're running a show and you're p- trying to put it on a, you know, a, on the internet or whatever it may be. The guy will travel. He'll come to you. Trust me. Mm-hmm. And he's awesome. The guy's amazing. So yes, please reach out to him. His his email, not email, but his socials his, are. His his website will be right in the show description. But head over to ajmckcreative.com. All his information is there. All his work, fantastic work he does, not just for this show. All his commercials he does, all everything he does is right there on his website. Uh, so go check that out. It is in, uh, like I said, it is in the show notes. Um, I also wanted to give another quick shout out. Uh, 
to our boys over the kickout crew for this week sponsoring the show, um, as well as our uh, friends over at PW Mania. I actually just started uh, writing some uh, uh, articles over there, some uh, nostalgic articles, if you will. Um, so go check that over there. Uh, check them out over there at PW Mania on uh, Twitter as well. Um, PWmania.com doing great stuff over there as well. So I heard, I heard there, were, there was some feedback to me that uh, you, you did a very fine job on your first article. I thought it was, uh, thought it was well as my, myself. I, I, uh, I appreciate that. I really do. And I got, uh, I try to put one out uh, one a week. Uh, last week was uh, the rock versus Brock from SummerSlam 2002. So basically what I do for a little synopsis, I basically, it's called the matches that shaped us. So basically, I pick a match that basically shaped the business. Um, last week it was Rock and Brock. This week is actually going to be um, Stone Cold versus uh, Bret Hart from WrestleMania 13. Um, so check that out. Go over and make sure you're, you uh, favorite, you bookmark pwmania.com. Article will be out there, or you can just you know follow the socials as well. So, um, But next week, Brian, looking forward to next week. Um, we're actually going to be welcoming in something that you you worked with quite a bit uh, when you came back this last time, as well as before um, when it was uh, TNA as well. So we're welcoming in EY, Eric Young, to the show next week. Yeah, man, very excited about it. I'm so, I, I love that guy so much. It's incredible. This is going to be uh, absolutely amazing. And you talk about a funny down-to-earth guy. Wow. Wait till you see this side of him. It's going to be good. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Yeah, a, a guy that can definitely do it all. I implore you uh, to uh, to go back, search YouTube, search wherever you can find an Eric Young match. You can you can you'll be able to find it wherever you go. We're actually going to go over a match that you were involved with him. We're actually going to go over his match against uh, the uh, uh, Bobby Lashley and Austin Aries for the TNA title at Slammiversary twelve which was inside a steel cage. So, yeah, I've, uh, I've watched it numerous times. So uh, I'll definitely, the, that link will be out there. That's on YouTube. If you got, you want to go check it out, um, but definitely looking forward to that. Uh, but until then head over wherever you get your great podcast. If you're not subscribed to roughing it up with Brian Hebner, do it right now, as well as going over and following us on Twitter and Instagram at roughing it up. Brian, what else you got? Not a damn thing, man. I'm ready to get out of here, chill out, get me some warm. Well, I put on a pot roast, so I'm going to get some warm pot roasts, potatoes, and I'm going to just chill. It's a rainy, woo, yucky night here. And, yeah, I'm uh, I'm done, man. And you can reach me at, uh, at Baby Hebner on Twitter and Instagram. I'll make it easy for you. Well, just remember, it's better than rain than snow, which I'm getting overnight here. So you can count your yep. blessings. <laughs> hey you chose where you live yeah well it is what it is but anyways guys thank you for tuning in this week to Reffin Up with Brian Hebner and we'll see you right here next week one two three <laughs>